Hi and welcome to another episode of the Getting Things Done podcast from Vital Learning. I am Morten Røvik and I'm smiling here with my friend and good colleague Lars Roskil Hendriksen. Privet uh, Lars. Privet. Morten, good to see you and good to hear you pronounce the name of the podcast correctly when we open the episode. And besides that, good to be with everyone out there listening and watching. We always start off with a quick reminder of the purpose of this podcast, which is to help you learn GTD or become even better GTDers. We hope that today's episode supports you in that. If you are new to GTD, we always recommend you go back and listen to the first episodes, episodes one through six, to get an introduction mm. to the basics of getting things done. Today's episode is a bit more advanced. It's episode number 99 of the podcast, and and it's an interview episode. Yes, uh, Martin Hagen from Sweden is our DGD trainer and partner in, in Sweden. He's also a crucial learning um, partner. And um, we interviewed um, Jason M. Atwood from Arcos. Um, Arcos is a Salesforce consultancy in New York. And um, uh, he had some really interesting things to say about building GTD uh, culture in a company. And also about, we talk about AI and we talk about, um, you know, the, his personal journey to become a GTDer. Uh, and it's really a fun episode. So why, why don't we just roll it? Let's get to the meat on the matter. Roll interview. And now our special guest. Hi, uh, and welcome, Jason and Martin. You are both here to talk about Salesforce, getting things done and starting a Salesforce consultancy and to compare cards on uh, how that works. I'm very happy to have you, Jason. I would like to ask you a couple of questions just as a, um, a primer for this. You've been on a lot of different podcasts, um, David Allen Company's podcast, and you've been to the OmniFox podcast as well as me, and uh, or as well as I have done the same. And, uh, and you talk very warmly about getting things done and your company, Arcus. So I would like to ask you, because I got a little curious and did some digging trying to figure out Arcus what is the background for that name? Can you just start very briefly? Tell us what's the is it a um, some kind of a rainbow god goddess or or the, or a hammer? So please set me straight. Sure, Arcus. Uh, well, we started Arcus back in 2010, and it was a big push for Salesforce partners uh, starting up. And if you remember back in the day, everything was cloud before. You know, it was just cloud this, cloud that. And so all the names of all the companies were either Cloudforce, Cloud Things, Cumulus, named after clouds, or it had Force in the name because of Salesforce. So when we were naming Arcus, uh, we kind of wanted to stick to the cloud theme, but we didn't want to go too literal. So we actually took the Arcus Cloud, uh, A-R-C-U-S, and just flipped the letter, A-R-K-U-S, and mm -hmm. find a good domain, and there you go. The the fun part that happened a little bit afterwards, we started digging into the cloud and what that cloud meant. And the cloud is about, it's a huge rolling cloud that comes before a change in weather. So then mm -hmm. we said, well, you know, our meaning of Arcus is that it's a huge wave in terms of changing of technology landscape, right? Moving from mm. server-based computers to the cloud. 
good. All that set that straight. It wasn't more more strange than that, uh, or more more complicated. So I would like to ask you now, for those of who who are listening or watching this on YouTube, um, who who are you, and uh, what's your background, and what do you do uh, in your everyday life? Sure. Uh, so my name is Jason Atwood. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Arcus, as formerly mentioned. And uh, my background is I was a business major coming out of the uh, United States. I spent some time abroad and I worked for a very large financial firm uh, for a long period of time. And during the big or the first banking crisis, um, me and two other founders decided to leave that very big financial firm who had gotten deep into Salesforce, but was going to maybe get out of the Salesforce. But we decided to take our show on the road and start the company. Um, and I've been, uh, we ran it together for, for about 11 years. And as of last year, I became the uh, official CEO of the company and I've been running it since. So that's my Arcus and what I do for a, for a day job. Mm, great. So uh, I think a lot of people have listened to the podcast from David Allen Company where you're speaking with David about how you are using GTD and OmniFocus. And I think that was a very interesting episode because I have a similar background as you also working as a consultant for many, many years and also being in the Salesforce ecosystem as well. So we have a lot of touch points in common. So I I'm, was wondering if you're still working in the same way as you were talking back then. I think it's a few years ago now, maybe three or four years ago. Yeah, it was, it was a few years ago. Um, yeah, I mean, from a standpoint of the company, the company is now, I think, three times bigger than it was back then. Yeah. Um, so from a you know a company standpoint, we're still in Salesforce Consulting. We still do that type of work. Uh, from a GTD standpoint, I would say we've probably implemented it even more into the core of the company. Um, it is a part of the official training as, as everybody gets onboarded. Uh, we now have a GTD coaching, an internal coaching program which helps internal help people who are you know, maybe struggling with some concepts so they can go to somebody. Uh, and we have, we have a lot of stuff that we've built into the system, into the core, I like to say the DNA of Arcus around how we implement and use GTD both in our you know practice of Arcus and also in our personal lives. Yeah. And I, I know as was working as a consultant, time is the most important thing you have. So. How do you know that all this time that you're investing in, in GTD actually pays off in the end? Well, I'm hoping it pays off in the success of our clients. That's ultimately what we're trying to do is make sure that our clients are successful in the rolling out of their or digital transformation into the Salesforce ecosystem. We work with probably 95% of our clients are nonprofits. So it becomes really important about the mission, their mission, uh, and how they're, you know, moving their platform forward or their program forward and helping their constituents. So for us, I think when I look back at it and I see like, well, how do I know that we're, you know, how is it working? Uh, I really feel like I can do a measurement of how, um, how good consultants are at Arcus about how well they have sort of implemented uh, GTD, right? That those core concepts that, that have helped them be, you know, really good at the, the methodology also really push right into consultancy, right? The ability to be focused, the ability to, you know, handle a lot of stuff as it comes your way, the ability to deal with a lot of information, but also not be stressed about it. So 
uh, I think the the success of the clients and the success of the people at Arcus kind of what I can see is, is making it important. So Jason, you're working as a consultant to companies. You're, you're having a lot of different projects. You're not working, maybe some of your, your, your colleagues are working with the same customer or the same projects for, for a long time, but I, I, I foresee at least that you're moving from one project to the next project and sometimes maybe also working in multiple projects at the same time. So how does a normal work day look like for someone that works for, for ARC, so for, for you as a consultant? Yeah, so the way we built our consulting practice is really about having uh, people work on multiple things at the same time. Uh, we don't, we, when we changed or we built the, the model, we didn't really want to have people do sort of singular on one project with one um with one client for too long. We wanted them to be able to switch between the two or three or four or five. So the average Arcus person actually works on four or five different projects per day. Uh, part of that is because the, the the clients, you know, they have work to do on their side. They have stuff they need to get us. We didn't want to have a system where we're kind of waiting around for them while we can go off and help other clients. So to go back to the typical day, the typical day is actually not very typical, right? We as a consultant at Arcus, you could start your day by doing some data loading into the program management module at Salesforce. You could move on to helping scope another project for another client. And then you could end your day by doing a training for, you know, a third client. So it, there is a lot of context switching uh, back and forth between different projects, which keeps kind of the work interesting, right? You don't, you don't get burnt out as much if, yep. you, if you can go back and try different things. And work with different clients in different, uh, different even in industries, uh, certainly different types of clients and different sizes across the country. And I, I remember from my time as a consultant as well that that was a quite good description of how how my life was. You you had all of these different areas of that you needed to focus on on different times during day and and rapid contact with switches all over the day. So how does GTD help you guys when you're working? in an environment like this? The the biggest thing it helps with is that ability to sort of, it's that virtual folder that uh, David Allen talks about, right, where I could be working on this thing here and in my, my hands out for those on the audio. And there's a folder of work I'm working on for a client. We're doing a bunch of things. We're doing some work. We're doing transformation. And then I can close that folder and open up another folder and by, and and start working on that work. So the ability to sort of understand that while I'm working on one set of work, I'm working very focused and, and I'm only letting the distractions or all new things that are in front of me uh, be there, uh, then I can close that up and move to something else. The, the second thing I think is really the, the capture, right? A lot of what we do is a lot of moving parts between what we're talking about with the client, you know, the project management tasks, the next actions, the follow-ups, the requirements, the, the work that needs to be done internally to a team, there are tons and tons and tons of moving parts. All those moving parts need to be captured somewhere, right? They have to be written down. Yeah. They have to be agreed to. So if we don't, if we if we lose that piece of capture and if we don't have it, then that's when things drop through, through the cracks. And ultimately, as a consultant, that's the biggest no-no, right? You don't want to say to your client, hey, I will get you those reports and dashboards next by next Friday and then have Friday show up and not have them available, right? That's sort of the big no-no. Yeah. Absolutely. You need to be accountable for what, what you have, have said. So I'm, 
actually a little bit jealous that I didn't introduce GTD into my company when I was running my consultancy company over here in Sweden. So what what suggestions and, and ideas do you have for, for other people that is running knowledge-based uh, companies where, where a lot of, of your use of brain uh, and uh, how, how would you, uh, what, what tips would you give them? Sure. I think the, the things that I would start off any organization, if you didn't build it into your DNA as the start, I mean, we just handed everybody the book when they started Arcus and it's built in. So it's kind of hard to look back and say, well, how did we do it? We did it because it was just everybody was a GTD practitioner. All three founders yeah. practiced GTD and was sent back and forth our weekly reviews every week talking about it. Uh, but for other organizations where, you know, it's starting and I have worked with a few over the past, you know, people will kind of pick my brain on it. I think the first thing is 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 to pick the right size team who's going to do it. Um, yes, you can practice GTD by yourself, and it will always help you, right? I worked at a yep. huge, you know, three hundred thousand person company, and I just practiced the GTD by myself. It helped me be productive. I was great. My inboxes were empty. I was on top of my work. I did my weekly review every Friday. Um, but the thing that I think that to get to the next level is to get in a smaller group of people, uh, whether it's a team or an executive group or somebody say, hey, we're going to do this together, right? We're going to implement this for um, for our group. And regardless of whether how good people are outside of our group, we're going to we're going to hold ourselves accountable for these for this methodology, right? We're going to talk in the language of GTD. We're all going to read the book together. We're all going to uh, maybe watch the videos or listen. And we're going to openly talk about and this is where I've really seen the most growth and help at, at organizations is sort of to create the space for organizations to talk about something that is very to yourself. I mean, I've been practicing for you know almost 20 years now, and it is something that's very in me. I could never talk about it if I don't need to, but talking about it with others and saying, here's what I do. Here's how I do my review. Here's where how I capture. Here's the tools I use. Here's my daily uh, review practice. That stuff is so helpful uh, when, when you know implementing the change in an organization. Can I can I throw myself in there asking just a little question that I'm curious about? Have you met any resistance? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, GTD isn't for everybody. I you know to say that the seven or eight billion people on this planet all you know uh, can practice GTD to the same level, um, you know, to the black belt level, it's not realistic, right? There's there are pieces of GTD that I think could help anybody, little pieces to the methodology. I mean, if you just took the two-minute rule and you said, hey, let's roll out the two-minute world the rule to the to the world, yeah, it could probably help everybody. But I, I find that when I get resistance, it's 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 more of people who believe that they have it covered, right? They have their own system. They have built processes and things that make them very productive and they don't feel they have a need for it. So hmm. they are resistance to the change. Like uh, they're using, you know, maybe they're using Word and they write out all their tasks in Word every single day and and they have a way to do it. So I find that's when I get the most resistance. But since we're so sort of forward about GTD at Arcus and sort of like all over our blog and, you know, in our <laughs> social media and I don't know, my my um, my attitude, it gets harder mm. and harder to, to resist. You know, you become part of the Borg. Yeah, I can understand. That's been always been a recurring um, question we get from people. How do I teach people or my people this? And so, okay, good, good answer. Yeah. Thank you. Um, 
Martin, I I was I was thinking since um, I I myself haven't really worked in an, an environment or a bigger context with with a lot of GTD practitioners, specifically not as a consultant or uh, before I started to teach uh, or and coach GTD. Um, so how do you see the the work in a team being different, or if it is different when when everyone knows GTD, is there any differences? So what 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 is the secret sauce then? I would say there's a massive, massive difference. The difference really is about the accountability. Uh, a lot of organizations struggle with sort of getting work done. And I know this, we're all going to use the same terminology here, but getting work done and understanding who's supposed to be accountable for the work they're supposed to do. And when you layer in a level of, you know, of a methodology like GTD and you make all of your account, all of your work accountable, then what it does is it takes that out of the mix. You don't have yep. that feeling of, did I know that Sally from accounting is actually going to get back to me next week or Bob, you know, in finance or, or Bob, the project manager is going to, did, are they going to get that work done that they said they were going to get done? So the accountability level goes way up because you know that everybody not only is practicing something, but um, has the tools. And I think that's super important, right? To teach people about the tools as well, the tools underneath them to help them support their work and make sure that they're keeping on top of their things. So when everybody's doing it together, you, you, uh, I guess the way I can describe it is like the amount of times you need to wait, put right down a waiting for for somebody goes way down, right? If you trust that the other person on the other side of your uh, relationship, whether it be a project or a client or someone internally is capturing all their things, is reviewing their projects, knows how to, you know, knows how to keep a workload of things and doesn't let things slip then you don't have to capture as much about them. I capture more waiting fors for people I don't think are going to get back to me than the ones that I do think are going to get back to me, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So do you have any shared lists or shared systems or you have all your individual systems that you work from or how, how does that work? So most of the work we do is in a shared system, right? We're, we're a Salesforce practitioner, so we use Salesforce, surprise, surprise. So all of our egos, uh, project work, all of our sales, all of our invoicing, all of our operations, everything's in Salesforce. Um, for all the things that are sort of more uh, client reference material, if we're going to go the GTD path, uh, we use uh, Google Drive and the G Suite for that. So calendar, email, um, uh, Sheets and Drive. And a well-organized Google Drive, although ours is very um, big at this point, but uh, with a great naming convention, keeps everybody in the same way. So we know where to put things. And I think that's also very helpful. It's a it's a GTD practice as well, but having a place for everything and everything in its place, but that's where things go, right? Where do leads go? Leads go in Salesforce. Where does project documentation go? Project documentation goes in the doc. How does it go? Well, here's a, um, here's a, here's a document describing how this thing works. So, uh, from the work that we share, we have shared environments to share the work. But then for the work that is sort of just you, like your brain work, we leave that to, you know, the sort of more of a singular tools. Uh, so like the OmniFocus and the Todoist and tools like that. Even I have a couple of people using Trello as their as their environment for their GTD, uh, their next actions. And I and and people ask, well, why don't you just have one big shared environment? Uh, the, the reason for that is 
there are things I write in my OmniFocus that I don't need to be correct, right? I might misspell in OmniFocus. I might put very personal things about my family or my friends that I need to do. I don't need that in a shared environment. I want to know that like my brain, it's as secure and private as everything, everything else. Then the things that go in the shared environment are project work and things that other people can see and take action on. So we know that, hey, if Jason said he's going to do something, here's the here's it being done. So we kind of it, it's a mix, but it allows personal stuff to stay personal and the work that needs to get done as part of the company or the organization stay in a shared environment. Cool. cool. So do, have you ever glanced on things like Holacracy or maybe you're also using Holacracy? We are not. I learned about it uh, at the GTD Summit many, many years ago. Yeah. The, the, the one that uh, one that I lament that there's not a second one or a third or a fourth being built because it was such a great time, the one in Amsterdam. Uh, so I first learned about it, saw about it, I've read the book. Uh, when I looked at our organization as trying to implement it, it became a just time and attention. And, you know, it did go to the someday maybe list. Uh, and then getting buy-in from the you know organization to do it too was a little okay. bit uh, struggling. So we never really implemented. But I liked some of the concepts around it. And I try yep. to leave a lot of our groups uh, and teams as much as I possibly can, and I'm always struggling with this, uh, to allow them to do their work in their own environments and produce their own outcomes and not have it be too you know, to hire a goal and drive from the top type of thing. Yeah. Uh, there can is I, for sure a lot of I things ask, that go ahead. I'm sorry, watch. Martin. Can I just ask you a question? Because for the edification of our, our listeners and viewers, what is holacracy in a nutshell? We have 30 seconds. Go. <laughs> and who, who all else do you want to answer that question? <laughs> yeah, I think I'm on quite the same level, but it's an organizational level. So it's self organization and all companies structure and it's very very influenced of uh, gtd so a lot of the meetings are are done in a gtd-ish way and that's why it was i asked the question really because um, even if you're not fully implementing something like holacracy um, there is a lot of things they are doing in holacracy that can be uh, i think good to, to to adopt when you run meetings and and you make sure that you have these lists that that you capture things on. So there is a lot of of, of the GPD source in in holacracy, and they they marry quite well, I think. But I'm definitely not a holacracy expert, so I, I don't really feel confident in explaining exactly how it works. But you have these circles uh, hmm. that are responsible for different different things in the organization. Thank you, Martin. Now uh, you may continue. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. No, you, you mentioned Salesforce, and I think that is a, it's a perfect segue because we, me and Morton, we talked about Salesforce because that's where I have my background uh, a, a couple of episodes back. And you, you also mentioned that you're using Salesforce a lot, of course, as a Salesforce consultant, uh, also internally. You, you eat your own dog food, right? So, um, but if, if we look at the, the normal Salesforce user out there, how could they work with GTD? Do you have any insight? I think, I think the, the, the interesting thing about Salesforce is, is again, some of the just basic concepts around GTD are, are already built in kind of things that we, we 
take for granted. So one of the things you'll learn if you w walk into the Salesforce ecosystem is something that Mark Benioff, the, the, the CEO and founder, says all the time. And we just keep saying it over and over again as we roll out Salesforce for everybody, which is if it isn't in Salesforce, it doesn't exist. Well, what's really at the core of that, right? The core of that is, did you capture that information and put it into a place, right? So, so Salesforce does become a, uh, a version of the truth, whether it's a, a logged activity, uh, whether it's an opportunity, whether for us it's a project or a time entry. So that, that concept of capturing everything and making sure things don't just sit in our heads that meeting notes that when I met with the with a, that lead, I don't just leave that in my head. The follow up call that I need to make my next action with uh, my client about our project, I need that to be in Salesforce as a task. So it is sort of, you know, interesting because some of the main concepts are in there. And then, you know, obviously Salesforce has a tasking system. It has a pretty good one. Uh, it can be customizable. I've seen different versions of it grow over the years and. At this point, it's pretty good. It could be used as your main GTD uh, system if you wanted to. Uh, you could make things private. You could keep, you know, things and repeating, and you could, you know, build it into your your views and things like that. But from a, I think the biggest piece is just in order to keep anything going as part of a process, whether it's a sales process or a nonprofit tracking their volunteers, or you know, fundraising, or a bank tracking their you know, their, their clients, uh, the idea that you have to keep it, you have to get it out of your head and put it someplace. Um, that one kind of rings true for Salesforce as well. Yeah. Have you seen any apps, uh, being used on top of Salesforce to, to facilitate GTD or list management? It, yeah. Oh, there's, there's a ton on the list management side. Uh, there's ones that integrate with other tools. Uh, I actually did a video once uh, where we built a GTD system, just built it from scratch. And that's sort of the nice thing about Salesforce. It's a it's a platform about anything else. So you can build custom things. You can build in custom fields. You can build in custom objects. So you can build a little data model. And so we did it over like a two-hour session. We just built out a little DTD, a GTD task management um, system with projects and next actions. And it's really, really, really simple. Uh, so, and then, yeah, there's a, there are a ton of tools. And then some, of, some of the big tools that will sync with Salesforce, right? They'll sync over their tasks, you know, either bi-directionally. So while I don't think, again, where I don't think it would be my my main place, it wouldn't be my trusted system from a my personal stuff, it's certainly my trusted system from from a company perspective. It is the truth. What's in Salesforce is the truth of of everything that we're doing, and we bring that to you know our clients in a hidden kind of hidden way by saying, "Hey, you know this this needs to be your version of the truth. You need to put everything in it, and it needs to be the trusted system. And if it isn't in Salesforce, it doesn't exist." So again, weaving that kind of in that thread of GTD into their practice um, without really talking about GTD, which is interesting. Cool. So, uh, so Morton and me, we have been toying with this idea to to build something um, on on top of Salesforce, like a, a shell for uh, like, or a template for a GTD system, um, and put out on the App Exchange so everyone could could use it. And uh, do do you think there would be a demand for that? Would you think people would be using that, or they would rather go I down and build their own thing? 
I think the thing with Salesforce and the App Exchange is, uh, and I've and I've been in Salesforce ecosystem for a long time. Uh, I think I was being made fun of for over two decades uh, back at Dreamforce. Uh, the thing with Salesforce, you kind of have this dichotomy of things are really easy to build. And if they're really easy to build, then they're really easy to build for anybody. So I think you have to have enough complexity in the thing that you build for it to have value from the App Exchange standpoint and have extra stuff in it, right? That that makes sense to want to install it and to and to use it. Uh, so I can think of and, and have thought of too, you know, I've thought of the same thing. It's like, oh, if I built the GTD app, uh, but some of the concepts are already there. So like tasks exist, right? They exist and they have the ability to be repeated and shared. And, and so I think for a lot of people, they just build out the rest of the model. What I've got these next action things, tasks, what else do I need? Well, now I need projects. Okay, well, what else do I need on top of projects? I need you know, some sort of big way to filter and show them. And um, so I think the model is pretty easy actually in Salesforce where the complexity, uh, where the better, you know, again, the tools that I know. And I think I remember from some prior podcasts, uh, you guys have gone a little bit more simpler. You've been simplifying where my system seems to get, say it's as complicated as my life. I think that the piece that would be built into Salesforce that'd be interesting is more the higher end functions you get out of the you know, the OmniFocus and the Todoists and uh, other things that, that do more with, uh, again, repeating and some of that stuff doesn't exist. You know, the ability to see, to have things come up for review. You didn't feel, if I'm paraphrasing you, that it was maybe the, the most necessary application out there because it's so easy to, to do it yourself and then you will get your own flavor on it as well. Yeah, I think the the basic data model is pretty simple. Uh, again, I've done it a couple times just for fun. Uh, I think if you got into the higher end features, uh, then it you know both both from a sort of back end automation, right? That's where I think a lot of the value could be is is a lot of automation stuff, and it's so, some of the stuff that keeps me very tied to OmniFocus after a decade is all the automations I've built into it to you know, keep things on track and make sure that they come up and show to me at the right time. So if I were, if I were postured and built something for GTD and Omni in, in, in the app exchange, I would work around some of those and, and then probably work around making sure that it was very good on mobile, uh, cause the Salesforce yep. mobile app. So you get, you got some limitations in there, but yeah, I can see it. So I was actually thinking to, if we really look forward, I know you were on, on the big Salesforce conference last week and I, I, I wasn't there and I haven't really read up what they were talking about, but I guess AI and generative AI was really big. <laughs> I, I, at least that's what I was, what I saw coming out. Um, so if, if we go on, on, on that, um, route we're talking about AI and running a consultancy company like, like you are doing, and specifically from a productivity perspective, what benefits do you see we will have, uh, with, with AI going forward? And do you think AI could make our GTD systems work better? Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I, I have dove down the rabbit hole of AI for at least the last well, maybe more than a year now, but definitely starting, well, starting from your question of Dreamforce and the big conference, yes, AI was everywhere. They have, you know, if there's been pivots in Salesforce's journey, uh, this is one of the biggest ones. 
And so they're, you know, both predictive and generative AI are, are definitely going to be built into every little piece of Salesforce, um, every cloud, every tool, every product. And they showed a lot of that vision, I would say, at, at, at Dreamforce. And it's, I think it's going to be great as, you know, as a productivity person in the knowledge, you know, knowledge worker space, like what more than to have more tools to help me get more output out of, out of my day, right. To take my hour and make it into it that I can be, do five things that I used to take me an hour and a half. Uh, so right now at Arcus, our big piece is really just building, getting used to it, being part of our daily lives, getting used to these tools, understanding them fundamentally. So we're doing a lot of enablement internally, a lot of proof of concepts around how it can help. And, and then also putting up some of the, the barriers around where things should or shouldn't go, especially when it comes to data and client data. So there's some things we need to think about. Um, it's not just take all your stuff and go jump it into chat GPT from a productivity standpoint or from the GTD standpoint, I think it could be amazing. Uh, I think there are parts of my tool, right? If we think about what, what are the things that we could feed into AI to make it more powerful? We know that data is the gold, right? Data is the new gold uh, or the new oil. And I think of my system as having a lot of data in it, right? Years of data, lots of my stuff, right? My tasks, my projects, uh, my, my focus, uh, including what I've done, right? So the history, if I could feed that into an AI engine that could make predictions around what I need to do and what I could do and what I should be doing, I think that would be extremely helpful, right? Take take the practice of GTD and some of the things and say, should you really be focusing on this? Or here's all the, here's your 12, you know, 12 or 20 uh, next actions you have today. I'm highlighting the three that I think are the most important. I'm not even going to make you do that work, right? D David Allen talks a lot about um, sort of priority is not something that we capture, but boy, if I had an AI that could prioritize things for me, based on my past, based on my calendar, and sort of do the work that I do now, right? I look at my calendar, I see how much time I have, my contacts, all that. Well, what if AI could do that for me and immediately tell me what the next action was without, without me having to do any of that work? That would speed me up by a bunch. So do I lose sleep over uh, <laughs> AI and how it will incorporate into GTD and productivity tools? I absolutely do. Okay. Now, uh, we've been talking a lot about the AI in the Nordic uh, region and uh, with uh, the people we meet. And and I am I'm curious to, to hear what you think about this because I'm I've been pondering a lot about the um, you know that AI can, you know, the, the, to create a synopsis or a summary of a large amount of of um, you know either, either uh, just a text-based or maybe as a, you know all your Salesforce information to kind of get a get an overview and um, a compressed view of that 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 would be very helpful and of course it could be also highlight something on an algorithm saying that well this is the most five most interesting leads you have right now that has the highest value. Uh, I might want to put that on top of your list of things you might want to consider doing today. But but uh, what I'm scared of, not scared of, but I'm I'm a little yes okay I will, oh, I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> I will be honest. But one of the things I've been thinking about is because it will it will they will take uh, the the, the AI, when the AI takes over the decision making. For instance, when I clarify and organize things, I 
I, uh, you can you can feed it some information and it will tr then tr could possibly create a next action for you. But if you are not taking the step of clarifying that um, information, you are going to let the machine take over the thinking. And I think it is more like the machine should be able to facilitate your thinking about this so that you make the decision, you commit to do this. So when you are going to, to, to do the things you decided to do, and you know the next actions and look at the, the desired outcomes you must you are committed to do that i don't know does that make sense to you at all i mean it does everybody well first of all everybody should be a little bit afraid right it this should not we should not be skipping down the path and not thinking about this as both transformational in our society but also could have really bad outcomes so yeah, be a little afraid. That's okay. Um, and when we talk about it internally, or I talk about my friends, I'm always saying, yeah, you should be careful because it's it's not fully baked yet. We don't know what we don't know. And part of what artificial intelligence is scary about it is the programmers who program the AI don't even know why some of the things happen. So that gets kind of strange. But back mm -hmm. to your point about sort of the GTD thinking part, I think I approach it more as if I could build and the tools are very much available now, um, maybe not the time, but the tools are, if I could build an artificial intelligence built into my systems that I trusted to make the same decisions that I would make, which is ultimately what I would do, right? I would build an engine that would make the same decisions that I would make. So ultimately my AI assistant would be a version of me. And so at that point, well, if it's a version of me, don't I trust it to make the same next actions, the same communications, the same, you know, funny things or decisions about where I want to go or eat or do because it's been trained on my data. It knows what I want to do. It's, it is a version. So then I think, well, that becomes incredibly powerful inside the productivity world. It's not necessarily going to do them all, but maybe it will, right? I have a task sitting there right now where I need to call a, a, a bank and argue about some fees, these late fees that are just something's going wrong and I have to go, you know, it's a time for me to, to stop my day, pick up a phone, wait for whatever. What if I could just set my AI bot to go do that for me? Here's my voice. Here's what I want the outcome to be. You go argue with, you go argue with support, right? And then once you're done, mark it off in my, uh, mark it off in my OmniFocus as done and then go check my bank accounts two days later to make sure that they reverse the fees. Like what a great little task that that could just happen. So I'm, and then, then we can fascinated. sit there on the bench and look at the two AIs talking to each other, arguing. Yes. Yeah. Well, and at some point, they will I start mean, hallucinating. <laughs> it, probably, as long as I get my bank fees re reversed. But I think then that leads to me back to what we started talking about, which was time. And, you know, everything I, when I train people and talk about GTD, the first thing I talk about is time. We only have, you know, AI will not give us, will not give us 25 hours in, in, in our workday. Right, we'll not create an extra week of our life. Sure, we might start living longer and longer, but the time on this planet is extremely limited and it is extremely valuable. So whereas AI can give me back some of my time that I can then use to spend on other things like being with humans, uh, I'm all for it. Like that's where I wanna be. I wanna spend time with humans and not on a phone arguing with a bot about a bank fee. And so speeding up my system, making it three to four times faster and better and identifying the things in my system that are missing. I think the AI GTD bot that could look at 
at what you're not putting in your system and make suggestions around that, that's where I think you have incredible value. Because when I see at people's systems, most of what I do is suggest more to put in there. Hey, did you think about this? Have you thought about this as a project? Hey, you just, you know, you're, you're going in for, you know, you have a medical issue. Is that a project in your system right now? It's in your calendar. Like, do you have a desired outcome to get better? And most people are like, oh, no, I never think of it that way. So having me say that individually, it's going to take a lot. But what if there was an AI engine in there that could read through your calendar, your emails, your messages, and make suggestions based on things it saw that need to go into your system, that need desired outcomes, that need next actions? I'm, I'm all in. Sign me up. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the clarified process is what I'm, I'm concerned about. And that um, I think that if you leave the clarified uh, process is to the AI, I think that's a slippery slope. Um, but of course, as you said, that when you take all the data that the, the AI has about you and then p compile it and, and try to look at how you've done things before, that might be helpful. Unless you're really good at procrastinating, because that's going to lead you down a very slippery slope. <laughs> so the AI, the AI engine yeah. becomes to learn how to procrastinate better than you did. Uh oh, yeah. now we're in trouble. Well, you ain't saying nothing yet, Jason. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me show you how you really can procrastinate. So, okay. Um, back to you, Martin. I'm sorry, I'm cutting in here. I was just saying that I thought that statement you had um with us just having a short time on on earth and that we are putting more and more on, on in our basket i thought that was actually a pretty good ending <laughs> to 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 this interview and i i really appreciated the thoughts you had uh, on the uh, the ai stuff here in the end that i actually didn't plan to to ask you about because of reinforcement I, I uh, enjoy talking to you. I say, I always make a joke in every meeting. It's like, you can, you just have to set a timer to how fast you get to someone's the first say AI. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 30 minutes into the meeting, 40 minutes. Yeah. I, I was at one the other day and it was an hour and a half. And I made a joke like, look, it took us an hour and a half for someone to mention it. So um, it'll, I'm sure it'll continue to pop up in your podcast. And uh, by the way, congrats. I know you're about to hit a hundred. So congrats on yeah. that. That's uh, a big milestone. Thank you. It's uh, it's a milestone for us, so thank you for mentioning that. And um, uh, I'm very happy to talk to you. the first time I've met you uh, in virtual or physical. So it's good time. It's about time we met you. We heard about a lot about you and listened to a lot of interviews with you. So I'm happy to to see you for the first time. And um, and uh, don't be. Um, uh, surprised if we come back and want to interview you later again if you will be willing to to participate so. absolutely welcome mm. back whenever you want yeah. so any last words martin before we end the call thank you so much i made the force be with you yeah <laughs> <laughs> always that's an inside joke <laughs> i'm sure it sounds like a mixture yeah. between salesforce and star wars <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Okay. Take care, guys. Thank you for participating. Bye. See you next time. Bye bye. Thank you so much.
very cool stuff very inspiring it's you know fun to, to hear from from jason we've i know in quotes known each other on on twitter for so long and it's uh, yeah. it was so fun to, to hear about his you know experience in, in building the culture and integrating gcd um very very inspiring mm. um he is also you know uh, i connected to him um after the interview when we did that because there's been flooding in new york really heavy flooding but mm -hmm. he tells me he's safe and uh, it's, it wasn't too bad where he lived so good to hear that so well will you take us out Lars? i will do that with a quick reminder of you know this is episode 99 that means the 100th episode is next so very little time left if you wanted to send us a quick video saying you know whatever you want to say really <laughs> thanks mm -hmm. for the thanks for the episode so far good luck on the next 100 um i would think it would be really cool if we heard from someone saying you know this episode really changed my gtd game episode 69 mm. 47 whatever mm. it might be where you know this change in my list has actually made me mm. more present more productive whatever it might have happened the natural planning model made this uh, this uh, project happen so much more easy whatever mm. it might be it would be really fun to hear or just you know a, a quick greeting it doesn't have to be fancy or shiny or mm. polished it can be an audio recording it can be a video mm whatever you want we really appreciate it and we'll try and stitch it all together and have a bit of fun in episode yeah. 100 so since this is episode 99 that means you have two weeks if you're listening on the day that it comes out so um still have time hope to hear from you please send it to Not two weeks it's going to be shorter than that because we have to record there, that so. is also true so yeah, please disregard so. that and you know if if you Do have time week. now <laughs> <One week. laughs> Okay. Let's let's aim for that. Okay. So thanks yeah. to those of you who have already submitted audio yeah. and uh, yeah. video files. Really, really and, appreciate and it. You, so so kind. Yeah, and if you want to do a video or, or an audio, it's very easy to be self-conscious. But uh, the, you know, and I, oh, I can't do this because it's not perfect. Well, Eighty percent is more than good enough. And um, mm -hmm. to quote David Allen, uh, "Speed trumps perfection any day." So don't make it perfect. Just make it you. That's important. Yeah. So thanks, and now you uh, will, thanks, thanks you for will those, take us uh, submitting that. And now I will remind you to head on over as well to vitallearning.eu because that's where you will find links to each of the country websites. And on each of those, you will find information about the different offerings that we have in Vital Learning. Obviously, a lot relating to getting things done, different levels of uh, seminars, coaching, speeches, but also crucial conversation for mastering dialogue, crucial conversation for accountability, crucial influence for the power of habit, all of the different seminars and more information about them you can find on the different country websites. That's for those of you in the Nordics, outside the, or oh, sorry, the Nordics Plus, <laughs> outside the Nordics Plus, you head on mm -hmm. over to cruciallearning.com to find your local partners. Exactly. And until next time, people, stay safe and stay productive. Bye-bye. Bye, everyone. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Vital Learning Podcast for blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.